And um, uh, we we have talked about that before. This this part of it is kind of a recap of uh, Romans chapter one, where uh, Paul talks about every human being has a has this internal sense of of the existence of God uh, to the degree that. Um, Nobody's going to be able to stand before the Lord and uh, with with uh, with an excuse, Paul said. And so we looked at uh, several verses of Scripture there in, in Romans chapter one, and we looked at some definitions uh, of, of terms there. And uh, then we looked at the denial of the existence of God. Uh, how that the psalmist in Psalm 14 once said that the fool uh, has said in his heart that there is no God and that they are corrupt. They've done abominable works and, and there is none that, that doeth good. Now this, this last phrase in Psalm 14 and 1, uh, if you'll notice, uh, uh, Paul quotes... Uh, this and uses this last phrase uh, in uh, in the book of Romans, where uh, he talks about there uh, there is none that is good, there there's none that doeth good, uh, no not one. So uh, so even Paul goes back and picks up uh, part of what the psalmist is saying, and. Um, and so we, we, we looked on down at the denial of the existence uh, of God and even looked at some other comments from Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. Then, then we looked at the heading, the internal witness in believers and uh, uh, how that uh, uh, if, if you have the, the Holy Ghost, uh, there should be... In, in us, there should be an enhanced um, sense uh, of the existence uh, of God that the rest of the world or, or that the world uh, does not have. And so uh, this, this is in the deepest and innermost part of our beings. And so... Uh, so then, uh, come down to the last uh, heading there that uh, I, I almost started to cover last week, and and then Brother James said no, cover it next week, and he said because I got to go, <laughs> and I was thinking where are you going? You're you're off on Wednesday nights now, but it was Tuesday night. When we did this last week, so uh, so we're going to cover this last part of it uh, this evening at the request of Brother James. So <laughs> and so so now we we're going to look at evidence uh, in Scripture and in nature of the existence uh, of God. And uh, and again, we you know we can look at the I think I stated this last week when we 
start talking about the different attributes of God and we start looking at some of the character of God, you know, we can, we can look at that and, and study it, uh, but we, we need to know uh, first and foremost that God does exist. And, um, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to study the character traits and the attributes of God if we have trouble believing in the existence of God. And, um, and we, we have to be very emphatic. Uh, he that cometh to God must believe exactly that He is, is that He exists. We have to believe uh, that God exists in order to be able to, to come to Him or to approach Him. So, so let's look at uh, this last heading here, Evidence in Scripture and nature. And uh, the first statement here you see is pretty emphatic. It's straight to the point. The Word of God is truth. Amen. Everybody believe that? Amen. The Word of God is truth. And it being truth, the Word of God is the final authority of everything. You know, and uh, if we can't our people cannot believe or accept the fact that the Word of God is the final uh, authority of everything. It's going to be hard for God to even be able to help people in their time of struggle and need and uh, if, if they don't believe that the Word of God is, uh, is final. And, um, you know, His Word is so final that even Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And so, uh, so we, we look at the heavens and all that, that exists in the heavens. We look at the earth and everything that is, is on the earth and in the earth. And we can understand through the Word of God that it's going to pass away. There there's, is coming a time that there's going to be a new heaven, the Bible says, and a new earth. All right? And, and we, 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 we sometimes think that, uh, have the idea maybe that this, this earth, you know, is going to last forever, but it's not. It's going to be destroyed, and, and and there's coming a new one. But again, when Jesus was expounded on the surety of the Word of God, uh, again he did say, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but but my words, my words are 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 going to stand." So the Word of God is truth, and internal. Evidence bears witness to this. And when I, when I say internal evidence, I'm talking about the internal evidence of Scripture itself. All right? The internal evidence, the evidence inside of the Word of God bears the fact that the Word of God is truth. So Scripture proves Scripture. And uh, you, if you want to 
if you want to understand the Word of God or, or things in the Word of God, let, let Scripture prove Scripture. Scripture will also interpret Scripture. And so, but, but Scripture, now look at this next statement because it can, uh, uh, it, it can be a controversial statement. So, so look at it. But Scripture nowhere tries to prove the existence of God. Scripture assumes that the reader is going to believe in the existence of God. So Scripture nowhere tries to prove that, that God exists. So even in the beginning of written Scripture, there is no attempt to prove His existence, but it immediately tells us what He created. So I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. Let, let's see what Scripture says here. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Pretty simple statement, isn't it? It, it does not say uh, in the beginning, you know, God exists and, and this God that exists created the heavens and the earth, and the heavens and the earth is proof of the existence of God. It says nothing even close to that. It simply says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So, if one takes Scripture as being true, you have to believe that not only does God exist, but He created the heaven and the earth. I don't remember if we made any comments about this uh, last week, but uh, there, there is no such thing as evolution. Amen. You know, there's no such thing as uh, some things just evolving and coming into existence, and you know, I, you, we 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 hear and we've talked about what's talked what is termed the Big Bang theory, and I heard one man say, "I do believe in the Big Bang theory." He said, "I do." He said, "I believe God said it, and bang, it happened." Well, if that's the way you want to want to term it, then maybe there's something to the the Big Bang. If God said it and and it happened, and we do know through Scripture that that's the way it did happen. Right. I'm not talking about the necessarily a bang, but uh, and 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 God said, "Let there be light," and there was. Right. Now, that there, there is a. Uh, a, a version of Scripture, uh, of the Bible, uh, that I, I don't know if you, you have a copy, uh, but it's called The Message. 
It's really not a version of Scripture. It's really a paraphrase uh, of Scripture. And sometimes it's quite comical. And, and then at other times it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, but I do like what, what the message says when, uh, about the, the, the creation of God because the, the message says it like this. And God said, let there be light. And there it was. In other words, his paraphrase, the King James says, and, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And, and Philip says in his paraphrase, and God said, let there be light. And there it was. And so his, his paraphrase is really carrying with it the idea or the connotation that as soon as God said, let there be, it came into existence. And so, and, and so, uh, so again, if one takes Scripture as being true, you have to believe that not only does God exist, but He created the heaven and the earth. I saw this little cartoon today uh, because it's, you know, weather's getting a little cooler and, and, uh, and, and it's getting to be, even though just last week was, was Thanksgiving, it's getting to be the, the Christmas season in the minds of people. I saw this little, uh, little cartoon today was uh, snowmen, two snowmen, you know, and they're sitting there and, and, and one, one uh, snowman, you know, said to the other, he said, you know, he said, nobody made us. He said, we were just a bunch of snowflakes that just all of a sudden just came together. What, what he was talking about was we, we just evolved. We just came together. But, but the fact of the matter is that everything that exists, God created. Amen. God created it. So if one takes Scripture as truth, not only does it speak of the existence and the creation of God, but the acts of His creation tell us much about His nature. This is kind of what Paul was alluding to in Romans chapter 1 when he talks about, uh, you know, every man, uh, you know, has this internal knowledge or sense of the existence of God by, and you, you look around, you know, at the things that were, were made because with the things that were made, and I believe that Paul is talking about the, 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 the natural creation of God, that even in that creation uh, reveals His eternal power and Godhead or, or deity. The word Godhead simply meaning deity. And, and Paul says that, uh, and, uh, and, and let, let me not say anything about that because that's coming up, but, uh, but, but let's just rest in the fact that the acts of His creation tells us much about the nature of God. And so the created world also gives abundant evidence of the existence and nature of God. And the, the scripture that I was alluding to here is Romans chapter 1 
and verse number 20. So if we look at that, Paul said, For since the creation of the world, His, talking about Christ or God, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. This, I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, let's, let's look at this for just a moment here. Because Paul talks about the creation of the world speaking of something here. The things that are, that are made. Uh, so since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes... He's saying, Paul is saying there, there are things about God, there are attributes about God that you would not be able to see. Why would you not be able to see certain attributes of God? Because God is spirit. Amen? And we know that according to Scripture, a spirit does not have flesh and bone. And, and so, so Paul is saying that there, there are attributes that you would not be able to see about, about God, but now they are clearly, somebody say clearly, they are clearly seen. In other words, that which you could not see, now there's no mistake about it because it is clearly seen. It's not this deal that Paul talks about later about seeing through a glass darkly and, 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 and all of this stuff. Paul said that there are some attributes of God that now you are able to clearly see being understood. Not only can you see them, but Paul says there's some attributes of God that you can understand simply by things that are made. Now, at some point in, in past teaching, I, I made statements about some of the, the, the nature that God created. You can see how detailed God is. You can see how, uh, how, how intricate his, his thinking is. And when you look at, at, at creation and you, know, you look at uh, uh, the, the cells in the body you know, and, and how the, the cells have, have, have what's called mitoplasma. It has a nucleus. It, it has a cell wall, you know, and, and some of us were talking after service on, on Sunday, you know, about uh, things that doctors talk about, things like cholesterol and, and uh, uh, carbohydrates and, you know, and, and how that, uh, you know, they, they want you to, to cut out cholesterol. And, but, but the fact of the matter is, if you cut out all cholesterol in your body, you would die. 
Because your cell structure would die. Your, your, the cells of your body, which number in the billions, has to have, uh, has, has, has to have, uh, things like, um, uh, carbohydrates and it has to have cholesterol. So if you cut out all your carbohydrates, you simply would cease to exist because your body has to have a certain amount of that. Now, when you look at, at nature, you know, the same thing happens in nature. You take the leaves of a tree and, and they're, they're made up of cells and, and, and there, there are places in that tree that stores carbohydrates in, in, in case that, that there are times that that tree doesn't get the nutrients you know, that it needs. It stores carbohydrates. You ever seen a storm come through and, and blow a, a healthy tree over? And, and it blows it over by the roots. The roots come out of the ground. Now what happens to that tree? The leaves on that tree turn brown the next day, don't they? No, they don't. No, they don't. It may be days before those leaves start turning brown. Sometimes it can be a week or longer before those leaves start turning brown. Have you ever wondered why that is? It stores carbohydrates and those leaves are feeding on the stores of carbs in that tree. And when those carbs are depleted, then that leaf will start wilting and turning brown. See, when you, when you look at things like that, it, it, there, there are things, Paul said, of the attributes of God that can clearly be seen and be understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, he said. His eternal power and His Godhead. And again, that word Godhead simply meaning deity. His eternal power and Godhead, Paul said, can be understood by the things that you see that God has made. Now, when you begin to look at this and look at the intricacies of the human body, and look at the, 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 the intricacies of nature as God has made it, how in the world can you look at that and say that God does not exist? How can anybody in this world, even that, that does not even claim maybe to, to have Christian faith, how can anybody in this world look at these things and say God does not exist? And even furthermore, look at them and say, you know, I believe in evolution. That all of this stuff just came together out of nowhere and out of nothing and began to evolve and here. Here's the result of all of that. How in the world could somebody say anything like that? Brother James? Well, even they don't believe in certain things they see. One day they're going to stand before God, they're going to see. Absolutely. 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 
So how, how can you look at the creation of God and, and say that there is no God? Because not only is there evidence in Scripture, but, but Paul is, and, and the psalmist will say as well uh, here in just, in just a moment or two, and even if, even if you take the Word of God out of equation, and let's, let's just say you don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It's not the written Word of God. Just take the Scripture out of the equation. Paul, Paul said that there is the witness of nature. To the degree. Now notice this. And at the end of Romans 1 and 20. To the degree that Paul says that they are without excuse. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because here, here's the thing. We, we can take nature for granted. All right? we, 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 we look at nature and we see things and... You know, and, and uh, we see beautiful sights. We see beautiful landscapes. You know, I, I've, seen, I, I've seen people post, you know, photos uh, on social media, you know, of the, of, of the evening time and, and how that they're, you know, uh, where they are, there are streaks of red in the sky as the sun is setting and they... They, they take those pictures and they post them, you know, for everybody to see. Or a beautiful sunrise. Or, uh, you know, certain formations of clouds in, in the sky. Or, or, or a beautiful moon. Or a beautiful snow-capped mountain. And you look at that and say, you know, that, that's really pretty. That, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty to look at. Man, that's a beautiful scenery there. And, and if we're not careful, that, that's pretty much the extent of it. Man, that really looks good. Really pretty. I've made the statement here recently. I, we're in the time of year, the season of year that I really like personally. Because I, I love the fall. I love the different colors of, of the leaves on the different species of trees that you really don't see in the spring. Even though spring can be pretty, but usually everything that's coming out is some shade of green. You know, but, but in the fall, you got the, the browns and you got the copper colors and, and you've got the reds and the yellows and, and, and the, the golden leaves of the, of the walnut trees. And, and, and it's, just, it, it's just so beautiful. And we look at it and say, man, that is... It is really beautiful this time of year, but let me tell you something. All of those colors and all of things that happen during the different seasons of, of the year speaks more than just the beauty that you see with the eye. Paul said it speaks of the, the attributes of God, even His eternal power in Godhead, so that there is nobody on the face of this earth that's going to be able to stand before God with the excuse and saying, I didn't know God existed. See, that's really what Paul is saying. 
That, that there is such a witness of the existence of God through the things that He made that you can understand even of His eternal power and His Godhead. Now, I want you to think about the depth of what Paul is saying here. Because here, it, you know, sometimes we can have the attitude and Christians can have the attitude, well, you know, this world don't know anything about the eternal power of God. And they certainly don't know anything about the deity of God. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says through the things that are created, the things that are made, even this world can understand. Again, he says understand. Being understood. There's some things the world can understand about God by simply observing the created things of God to the degree that they know that there is an eternal power and they know that there is a deity that exists somewhere. That's like I've stated. They may not know His name like you and I know His name. They may not know anything about relationship with this God. They may not know anything about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what they do know is that there is a God that has eternal power and that He is, that, that there is a deity that exists somewhere to, again, to the degree that Paul says that they are without excuse. Let's look at Acts chapter 14. The context here is Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra. And at the preaching of Paul, a lame man was healed. And so the people, when, when they saw this, the people that were present there equated Paul and Barnabas as gods and began to worship them. Luke records their response. In Acts chapter 14, 14 through 18. And let's look at it. Luke says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways, Nevertheless, look at verse 17. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain 
the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Now I want you to notice here, what Luke records here is, is Paul and Barnabas. And when, they, he, when the lame man was healed, and, 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 they, and, and the people saw it, and they began, they equated them as gods, and they began to worship them. Paul and Barnabas didn't, did not uh, re- resort when, when they started giving uh, account here to these people. They, they didn't resort by telling them, well, let me tell you something here now. We're, we're not gods. We're just men as you are of the same nature. And we preach that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. I want you to notice Paul and Barnabas didn't start out by telling these people at Lystra about the, about the existence of of this living God and who His name is and, and how to worship Him and how to live for Him and, and how to please Him, they made the appeal to the people at Lystra, the, the appeal that everybody would not have a problem giving witness to. And that is the witness of nature. They didn't go back and drag up some Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah coming and all of this kind of stuff. Listen, the people at Lystra would not have understood that. They didn't know anything about the prophecies of old concerning the Messiah and the promised one that that should come. And so Paul took them And Barnabas took them, talked to them about the living God. That God that made what? Heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything that's in there. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about talking to people about God and making the appeal of nature? As the exist to, to the existence of God, I say invariably, the vast majority of people have not. See, when 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 I when I asked you last week, how do you know God exists? What would you say to somebody if they were to ask you to prove to them? That God really exists. What would you say? There's a reason that I ask you that question. Because even in, in the New Testament church, and we just read it. just We just read it. We just read it. You know, where Paul and Barnabas, they didn't go on this big theological discourse of the people at Lystra to try to prove to them the existence of God and the fact that Paul and Barnabas were just simply mere men. They appealed to them through the witness of nature. You you see how easy it is to talk to people about God 
and the literal existence of God. Well, now, you know, I believe, I believe they should have talked to them about the Holy Ghost. Now, what they should have done is told the people at Lystra that if they didn't believe that God exists, they were going to hell. There was no hope for them. None whatsoever. If you don't, if, in fact, they could have said, well, you bunch of fools. Scripture said the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. But I think it's quite ironic that in the early beginnings of the church age, that Paul and Barnabas did not go out on this, pull up some esoteric doctrine, try to prove to these people at Lystra of the existence of God and who His name is and how to come into communication or, or relationship with God. They, they simply talked to them about the living God that made the heavens, that made the earth, that made the sea, and that made everything that exists in in them. That is the heavens, the earth, and the sea. Who again in bygone generations allowed all nations, they said, to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, God did not leave them without witness. Now here again, here again, they're going to appeal to the nature of God and the power of God, not by talking about, you know, Jesus sitting on the right hand of God. He's ascended unto the throne of heavens. They, they simply carried out their appeal by saying in that He did good. He did good. He gave us rain from heaven. See, they're talking about the goodness of God from the appeal of nature. He gave us rain from heaven. He gave us fruitful seasons. He's filled our hearts with food and gladness. And even with all of this, Luke said, that they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them the appeal of nature. Because they already believed in God. They did believe in gods. Gods, uh, plural. But David also declares that nature speaks to the existence of God. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 2. Let's look at what he says here. The heavens do what? What, what, what is declare? Make known. If you declare something, you're proclaiming. You're, you're speaking. What, what he says is the heavens, the heavens speak. They speak the glory of God. And the firmament, talking about the, 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 the earth, the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day does what? It utters speech. And night unto night does what? 
It does what? It does what? It reveals knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of God and of the existence of God. See, God is God is so vast, He is so powerful. And and we'll never understand everything there is to know about God ever, ever. If we lived a thousand lifetimes, we'd never understand everything there is to know about God. Now you you don't see this if you live in the city. But have you ever walked out if you were in the country on a clear night and looked up in the heavens? And you saw all the stars in the sky. You ever looked at that and, and wondered, you know, how far away that star is? You know, they, they say light travels in what's called light years. Do you know how fast scientists say a light year is? I mean, if you put a speed to it. Anybody know? If I, if I remember correctly, 185,000 miles per second. I'm going to tell you something. That's moving on. But when you look up at the stars in the sky, and, and, you, and you understand that there are stars up there whose light is just now reaching the earth. It's just now reaching the earth. And it's been up there thousands of years. And it's just now, its light is just now reaching the earth. You can understand then something of the attributes of God. That, that's why when you know things about nature, that David said, David said the heavens declare the glory of God. See, when the Lord spoke to Abraham years and years ago, and He said, Abraham, He said, I want you to walk out. I want you to, I want you to walk out of your tent. Now, this is Trawick's translation. I want you to walk out of your tent. I want you to look up in the, in the starlit sky. And I want you to count the stars of heaven. Now, listen to what God is asking of Abraham. I want you to count the stars of heaven. And if you can count the stars, he said, that, that's, that's how your seed is going to be. Now, don't thank me too frivolous, but here's what I believe personally. I believe Abraham walked out of his tent and looked up in the sky and said, one, two, three, four, 
5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And it probably wasn't long until Abraham got lost and said, now, that, well, did I count that one earlier? Or I think I've already been, no, that one, I, Lord, I, I can't count the stars in the sky. See, God knew that before He told Abraham that. What, what He was telling Abraham is this. You can't count it. You cannot count the stars in the sky. It, it's impossible. I don't care how strong a telescope you may have. You cannot number the stars in the sky. The sand of the sea. The seashore. You've been you've been on the seashore. You know how the sand is there. You start trying to count the grains of sand. That that's pure insanity. Because you know absolutely there's no way. But see, this is what this is what David is saying. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth. Shows his handiwork. Day unto day, or day after day after day after day after day, David said, Utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Now, can you understand why Paul to the church at Rome? Would, would be bold enough to write under the inspiration of the Spirit of God that they are without excuse. You see a little bit more? Paul said, there, there is no excuse for not believing in the existence of God. There's too much proof. So in conclusion, if you look toward upward into the sky and observe the handiwork of God, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the constellations. Their, their beauty and function declare that there is a creator that made and sustains them. It's one thing to make it all. It's something else to sustain all of that. Because here's what I believe, the, the laws of nature that, that God established when He created nature. Things like, you know, the sun rises in the east and settles in the west. That there is never, when, when God made them and gave them their function, there's never a time that God got out of the bed in the morning and said, now son, it's time for you to get up, so get up. No, 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 no. That's the south. You're supposed to get up in the east. And, and you rise and you set in the west. It's never a time that God has had to do that. He sustains them. The word of His power sustains it. So when He set it into motion, it's going to be in motion until He tells it to stop. Amen. So everything that exists give clear evidence that God exists. The theories of Darwinian evolution have left no stone unturned 
to prove the evolution of everything in nature and not its creation. However, these theories fail to explain how matter exists at the atomic and even cellular level. The evolutionists simply have no explanation. One writer said, For those who have eyes to see and evaluate the evidence correctly, every leaf on every tree, every blade of grass, every star in the sky, and every other part of creation all cry out continuously, God made me. God made me. God made me. So when you correctly evaluate the evidence, everything in Scripture and nature clearly prove the existence of God. Amen. I'm glad I know that God exists. I know He is there. I know He exists. Amen. If I didn't have the witness of His Word, I've got the witness of nature. Because nature utters knowledge, knowledge about God, the character of God, the attributes of God. Amen. Amen.